This Sunday marks the final step in our little journey with the early church as we have walked and seen and heard and experienced what those first years in the church were like and how the disciples took the mission that Jesus had left them and lived it out. After today, next week, we'll hear the story of the ascension and how our Lord ascended to heaven and what that means for us now. And the week after that, we will again relive and re-enter Pentecost when the Holy Spirit descended upon the apostles in the upper room. So today we kind of come to the final stop. And there is a pivotal event that happens that we are kind of just getting the beginnings of today. Today, Peter goes to the house of a man named Cornelius, who is not a Jew, but a Gentile. In order to kind of get a fuller picture, perhaps it's good for us to build some context on what happened today. We heard last week about how St. Paul went to Jerusalem, and at first, the Christians in Jerusalem were unsure about him and were afraid of him and kind of wanted to keep him out of the group. And then St. Paul perseveres and continues and grows in his identity as an apostle and continues to preach. Shortly after that, St. Peter will be in a city called Joppa and he has a vision while he's at prayer. In this vision, he sees a sheet fall from the heavens, being lowered from the heavens, and on the sheet are a number of animals, four-legged creatures, as the scriptures tell us, those that, according to the Jewish law that we find in the book of Exodus and the book of Leviticus, these animals that are considered unclean for Jews to eat, that would make a Jew who ate of them unclean and unfit to give right worship. And in this vision, St. Peter hears a voice that tells him, Rise, slaughter, and eat. And we can imagine, even though we are not, we don't, maybe don't understand the Jewish laws that well, but if we were in Peter's shoes, like, we can't do that. That's not okay. He's been raised his entire life not to eat these kinds of animals. And so he would, he responds, probably rightly so, like, No, Lord, nothing unclean has ever passed my lips. But then the voice responds to him, saying, What God has declared clean, you shall not call profane. And this happens three times, and then the vision ends. Immediately after that, as he's still trying to process what just happened, what God was trying to tell him, someone comes to meet him at the place where he's staying and asks him to come to the house of Cornelius. And Peter goes. And we pick up where we are today. Peter has arrived at the house. Cornelius bows before him and Peter tells him to get up because he is just human like him. 
And then there's a couple verses that are kind of left out of this reading for good reason, but it might help us to really feel the impact of what Peter is experiencing to have these verses. The scripture says, after Cornelius gets up, they go into the house and Peter sees all of his family, all of his household, everyone who lives in Cornelius' house. He sees them and he says this to them, quote, You know that it is unlawful for a Jewish man to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call any person profane or unclean. And that is why I came without objection when sent for. See, we see that Peter, with all of this happening, is starting to understand what God is trying to tell him, what God is revealing to him. See, even up to this point, the Jews did not, you know, associate, did not really spend, did not kind of group themselves with those who were not Jews, the Gentiles, the other nations of the world. Because if we go back and we read the Old Testament diligently, God, in the very beginning, when he called Abraham, when he called Moses, when he called the people of Israel out of Egypt, claimed the Jewish people, the Israelites, as a people particularly his own. He set them apart. He consecrated them, which literally means like, setting apart for a purpose. Just like how these sacred vessels and candlesticks and all these that we see in the altar in our churches have been set apart for a particular holy purpose and therefore should not be used in other ways. In the same way, the people of Israel, God chose them, took them out from among the other nations who were committing all sorts of sins and wanted them to be a people set apart. And because of that, in the law of Moses, they were not to associate in the same way they used to with all the other nations. They were to be different. They were to be holy. They were to be set apart. And that's why we see, even until the early church's day, The Jews didn't associate with the other nations. They were set apart as God's people. But what Peter is seeing and why it is so powerful to him and to us is that God is starting something different. Because first he has this vision. Then that man comes to him immediately afterwards asking him to go to a Gentile's house. And then, to top it all off, as he is experiencing this and as he is preaching to them in the house, the final moment that tells Peter what God desired. As he is preaching about Jesus to them, the Holy Spirit descends upon them. And they manifest, they, they show like signs that the Holy Spirit is with them. They speak in tongues. They glorify God in so many words. 
They are just praising the Lord. And it says even those circumcised believers that were with Peter, those Jews who were with him, were astounded by what they saw. Peter himself was astounded by what he saw because now it was clear to him what God's plan was and what God's desire was. And he expresses that. And he says, Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? See, the short of it is, as we reflect upon this event in the life of the church and in the life of St. Peter, is that God did not desire the gift of his son's, his son's redempted work, the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life, the gift of resurrection. God did not intend that to just be for one particular kind of people or one particular group of people. He desired it for all. And that is what Peter came to understand in this series of events is that there was nothing that should separate a person from God's love. And that is an important lesson for us to take as we reflect upon this event in the life of St. Peter. See, that is what's so radical about what we believe and what we have received as Christians, as disciples, is that nothing can hold back a person from receiving God's mercy. Nothing can cut them off from that grace, from that gift. See, sometimes there's a temptation in us, because we are human and still sinners, to be like those Christians last week we heard about. Those Christians in Jerusalem who saw St. Paul trying to become a part of their community and were afraid and didn't like him and were wary because he's got a lot of history and they tried to keep him out. Because we are human, sometimes when we see those who want to be Christians, who want to come and be a part of the church, who want to receive the gift of the Lord's mercy. For many different reasons, we might be wary and might hold back. But what God reminds us of today is that he desires everyone, no matter how different they are from us or alike, to be his children, to know how much he loves them, to experience the grace of what Christ has done for them. See, it's a reminder to us to have that same attitude of Peter. Peter, because he listened to God and because he constantly was aware of what God was doing in his own heart, could see that God desired Cornelius and his family to receive baptism, to receive the grace of the Lord's redemption. And he said, can anyone 
withhold the water for baptizing them. That is the phrase that should guide the way we approach. Those who are outside of the church are those who are lost. Those who have strayed from the church. Is that God desires them to be here with us. God desires them to worship him with us. And we should not, we should fight against the temptation to be narrow-minded like those Christians we heard about last week. Is that nothing should hold us back from talking about our Lord, from preaching about him, from letting people know how great he is and what he has done for us individually and as a community. And it should propel us to be more open and to be more willing to listen and to be more willing to love. It's what calls us to be courageous enough to like just engage in conversation with the cashier when we're at the grocery store who may or may not like, you know, have been far from the church or may not even know about Christ. Be willing to engage in conversation with the waiter or waitress who is tending to our needs at a restaurant, which propels us out to seek out those even in our families who have strayed from Christ. Not to beat the Bible over their heads, but to give them a sense of Christ's love. Because God desires everyone to be a part of his church. God desires everyone to be his child. To be reborn in baptism. God desires everyone to be his. And so that is our call. And that is what we pray for today is for courage. For the courage to be that open, to not be afraid to reach out, to not withhold the water, like St. Peter says, to not withhold the water just because someone has done something we don't like or because they've been too far away for too long or whatever the reason may be that may, you know, cause us some hesitation is to be bold enough to go out and seek them out and to bring Christ to them, to let them know what he wants to give them, to let them know what he wants to share with them.